Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 7, Episode 1, A Rough Start. Hello everyone, it's good to be back. The months I've been away have not been spent in vain, and the novel currently in progress is far enough along that I am comfortable returning to the podcast while I smooth out its few remaining rough edges and prepare it for the famously short, easy, and lucrative process of submission to publishers. I appreciate your support in the meantime, especially those of you who have joined the Patreon. If you haven't yet joined the Patreon, now's a great time. Toward the end of this season, I will create three Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes, in addition to the four exclusives already made for patrons only. You can find a link in the episode description. A common historical source for the Kamakura period is a national chronicle called Azuma Kagami, which means the Mirror of the East. It was compiled in 1266. However, this text has come under strong scholarly criticism in recent decades and is no longer considered absolutely reliable for a number of reasons. There are long stretches of missing years, a clear bias in favor of who held power when it was compiled, and it retroactively attributes government reforms to Minamoto Yoritomo when correspondence and other contemporary documents indicate that these reforms came much later. The Bakufu emerges almost fully formed in the Azuma Kagami, but more recent scholarship indicates that the well-oiled machine of the later Kamakura government was the result of ongoing innovation, reorganization, and experimentation. Before we dig too deeply and too greedily into the nationwide situation which Yoritomo inherited, I think it will be helpful to review the regions of Japan as we will be discussing them more frequently than usual this season. Starting in the far southwest is the large island of Kyushu, home of the Dazaifu administration, which was still the official entry and departure point for travelers, though other areas had begun opening their own trading ports at the end of the Heian period. Directly east of Kyushu is the island of Shikoku. North of Shikoku is the main island of Honshu, whose regions we will now review. The westernmost portion was called Chugoku, to the east of that is Kansai, where Heian-kyo and the imperial court were located. West of Kansai is Chubu, a mountainous region through which several roads snaked eastward to Kanto and north to Tohoku. Southern Kanto is where Yoritomo was headquartered, and the northern region of Tohoku is where the northern Fujiwara clan ruled with near independence at the beginning of the Kamakura period. With that in mind, let's catch up with the winner of the Genpei War. When we last left Minamoto Yoritomo, his army had finally defeated the last significant vestiges of Taira clan resistance. This did not mean a total extermination of everyone with the surname Taira, nor any automatic penalties for those clans which descended from Taira ancestry. In fact, some of Yoritomo's strongest supporters were descended from Taira stock. What Yoritomo's victory meant was that the followers of the Kiyomori branch of the Issei Taira clan were no longer a significant political force. By the end of the Genpei War, many of those clans previously subordinate to the Taira had already sworn allegiance to the Minamoto family, of which Yoritomo was the chief. In addition to consolidating the allegiance of influential samurai networks from his eastern base of Kamakura, 
Yoritomo also passed orders along to his brothers who were still stationed with their armies in western Japan. His younger brother, Noriyori, you may recall, was occupying Kyushu with his soldiers at the end of the Genpei War. After the Battle of Dan-no-ura, Yoritomo ordered Noriyori to remain on the western island for the time being with a two-pronged mission of seizing local Taira-aligned estates as well as finding the missing two-thirds of the imperial regalia. You may recall that the sword and jewel had been thrown into the waves, but that the mirror was acquired by Minamoto-allied samurai before it could be similarly disposed of. Divers plumbed the depths of the Shimonoseki Straits, searching for the lost regalia, and managed to find the jewel, which is believed to be a curved Magatama-style polished gem. The sword, however, appears to have eluded them. It is generally accepted that the blade was replaced by a replica, though some folk legends claim that the original weapon washed onto the shore or was otherwise miraculously restored to the imperial house. Arguably more important than finding the regalia was seizing the estates. Private estates called shōen were vital organs of the national economy and valuable sources of income for those who controlled them. One of the goals of Yoritomo's government was to make sure that they, and they alone, controlled land grants in as many places around the nation as they could manage. Rewards of revenue-generating farming estates helped incentivize any samurai clans still reluctant to assist Kamakura in its efforts. Private estates which had been unaffected by the war, those long-standing shōen whose owners had not taken a side and had managed to stay out of the fighting, would for the most part remain in the hands of their previous owners. Any that had been previously owned or awarded by the Taira clan were up for grabs, and Yoritomo wanted to make sure he grabbed as many as possible. During the course of the Genpei War, retired Emperor Goshirakawa had officially recognized Yoritomo's authority over the warrior caste. In particular, Yoritomo and Yoritomo alone had the right to reward vassals who had served nobly and bravely in combat against the Taira. Retired Emperor Go Shirakawa tried several times to award Yoritomo with various titles, estates, and other imperial honors, only for those honors to be refused time and again. Any Minamoto vassal who accepted a reward from the emperor was in danger of having his vassal status revoked, along with any existing claims to land. Keep this in mind as we catch up with the other brother. While Noriyori marched his army around seizing Taira estates on Kyushu, especially vast holdings like the Shimazu estate in the south, Yoshitsune returned to the capital with high-valued Taira prisoners in tow, including Taira Munemori, the adult son of Kiyomori who had been leading the clan since his father's death. Go Shirakawa Inn was delighted with this arrival and favored a swift public execution for Munemori, but Yoritomo dispatched a request that Yoshitsune continue with his prisoners all the way to Kamakura. When Yoshitsune obeyed this order, however, he was stopped in the village of Koshigoe, which lies just outside Kamakura, by Yoritomo's locally influential father-in-law, Hojo Tokimasa. Yoritomo had issued an order that Yoshitsune was not permitted entry into Kamakura, nor was he allowed into Yoritomo's presence whatsoever. Tokimasa took charge of the prisoners, and they were paraded through Kamakura's streets while Yoshitsune stewed on the nearby beach. As Yoritomo interrogated Taira Munemori, his son, and all the others who had arrived with them, Yoshitsune dictated a letter to Benkei, his loyal warrior monk companion. 
The missive, remembered as the Koshigoe letter, was a desperate plea by Yoshitsune for him to be reconciled with Yoritomo and allowed to enter the city and into his presence. For twenty days he waited for a response from his brother, but instead he was given an order to take the prisoners back to Heian-kyo. The prisoners were brought to him and he left Koshigoe, bitter and anxious about his strained relationship with Yoritomo. At this point, you might feel a little confused. Yoshitsune had, after all, practically won the Genpei War on Yoritomo's behalf, so what could have possibly caused this falling out? I think it is helpful to recall the Minamoto brothers' family situation. Because of their father's failed rebellion, the Minamoto brothers did not grow up together, but each was sent to a different region as wards of Taira vassals. It was not until the Genpei War had begun in earnest that they even met one another in person, which in part explains the suspicion, distrust, and outright hostility they occasionally showed one another. They were rivals first, and brothers second. Now that the Seiwa Genji Minamoto clan was evolving from a prominent samurai clan to an institutional authority, Yoritomo wanted to ensure that he remained in charge. In a maneuver which was probably intended as a power play, but whose precise motivations remain something of a mystery, representatives from Kamakura overtook Yoshitsune's party in Omi province and decapitated Taira Munemori and his son. Yoshitsune was allowed to take the heads back to the capital so they could be displayed in the public execution grounds. As for the other Taira prisoners, most were given sentences of exile. Taira Shigehira was not so lucky. Near the beginning of the Genpei War, the Taira sent an army to Todaiji and Kofukuji monasteries after those religious bodies supported Prince Mochihito's initial rebellion. Taira Shigehira was the commander of that army, and the monasteries considered him responsible for raising their buildings and killing many of their brethren. Shigehira was thus given over to the monks of Todaiji, and they killed him in revenge. The rift between Yoritomo and Yoshitsune continued to grow. Hojo Tokimasa had been placed in the capital as Yoritomo's deputy, along with many other samurai who were loyal to Kamakura. Organizing a rotating imperial guard from among his vassals was one of Yoritomo's responsibilities, and he thus received regular updates on his brother's activities, especially if he was spending copious amount of time in the company of the retired emperor Goshirakawa. Yoshitsune often attended parties hosted by the retired sovereign, which only deepened his older brother's suspicions. Then, crashing into this delicate situation like a drunk toddler waving a crowbar, came Minamoto Yukie. You may have forgotten about Yukie, and that is understandable. His place among the lesser-known Seiwa Genji was well established when he tried to sneak his troops into a Taira encampment across the Sunomata River, only to have the Taira discover this ambush attempt when they realized a significant number of samurai in their camp were dripping wet. He was lucky enough to survive that situation, but many of his soldiers were not. Later he allied with Minamoto Yoshinaka, but had the good sense to report the man when he tried to arrange to have retired Emperor Goshirakawa kidnapped to consolidate his power. The sources aren't kind to Yukie, who seems to have been the most unpopular or unfortunate Minamoto, or quite possibly both. Yukie had been laying low since he betrayed Yoshinaka, but he appeared at retired Emperor Goshirakawa's court and was more or less allowed to stay in the imperial presence. Yoshitsune encountered him at least once, 
but once was all it took for the spies to report the contact to Kamakura, where a suspicious Yoritomo seethed at the possibility of a division within his own clan. Yoritomo sent an order to a vassal in Omi province to attack Yukie, an order which quickly became public knowledge, likely because Yoritomo intended to provoke Yoshitsune into rash action. This particular trick worked. Yoshitsune began seeking support among Goshirakawa Inn's courtiers, and found a fair amount of friends there, but none who could actually supply troops. Then Yoritomo sent an order directly to Yoshitsune to attack Yukie himself, an order which Yoshitsune had no intention of obeying. He feigned sickness and claimed he could do nothing of the sort until his health was restored. Yoritomo, impatient to be done with the matter, sent a warrior monk to lead a team of assassins to kill Yoshitsune in the dead of night. Yoshitsune seems to have anticipated such a maneuver because when the assassins entered the Horikawa mansion to kill him, his bodyguards were waiting, and they swiftly turned the mischief of the ambush attempt against itself, killing many of the would-be assassins. Yoshitsune and Yukie now both feared for their lives, so they scrambled to come up with a plan to save themselves. They approached retired Emperor Goshirakawa and requested appointments that would give them authority over samurai in the west, noting that the east was by now so thoroughly dominated by Yoritomo that their only hope lay in those who formerly fought under the Taira banner. Goshirakawa Inn granted them appointments in Kyushu and Shikoku, along with a special mandate for the people there to follow their commands as though they spoke for the retired Tenno himself. Unfortunately for both men, none of this would be enough to save them. While journeying to Shikoku, they were attacked repeatedly by Yoritomo's partisans along the way. Then their boats encountered vicious storms that capsized many vessels housing what few retainers they had managed to bring. Upon landing on the island, Yoshitsune and Benkei hid themselves at Tennoji Monastery, and were later able to slip away undetected. Yukie likewise managed to disappear into the ether, at least for the time being. Throughout the next year, Yoritomo took advantage of the situation with a combination of intimidation, political maneuvering, and domestic intelligence. Retired Emperor Goshirakawa, in an effort to distance himself from the failed conspirators, cooperated and officially declared Yoshitsune and Yukie as rebels, and claimed that he had only ratified their actions out of coercion. This gave Yoritomo all the pretense he needed to organize posses of samurai to hunt them both down. A year after their fateful shipwreck, the ever-unfortunate Minamoto Yukie was found and swiftly executed. Yoshitsune, however, proved a more difficult quarry. Yoshitsune managed to avoid detection as he traveled north to Tohoku. He had previously lived with the northern Fujiwara clan as a hostage, and he had good reason to assume that they might offer him the safety he now required. Fujiwara Hidehira, the current leader of the northern Fujiwara, thought of Yoshitsune as a son, and was only too happy to offer him protection from the wrath of his elder brother. The northern Fujiwara had remained aloof during the Genpei War, allying with neither side and contenting themselves with ruling the virtually semi-autonomous kingdom of Tohoku. They happily traded directly with merchants from foreign nations without the approval of the imperial court, and maintained their relative independence during these times of trouble. There is reason to believe that the imperial court, and Goshirakawa Inn especially, wanted to help the northern Fujiwara preserve their autonomy as a potential counterweight against Kamakura's rising power. 
Fujiwara Hidehira was an expert at politely ignoring orders from authorities, so it was probably no great stretch to get him to continue doing so. Hidehira extracted oaths from all his sons to protect Yoshitsune and absolutely never allow Yoritomo to harm him. Yoritomo took this as proof of treason on Hidehira's part and sought the retired emperor's official mandate in pursuing a military invasion of Tohoku. Goshirakawa Inn very much wanted to prevent this, seeing an opportunity to prevail over Kamakura and resolve this issue without mass bloodshed. Yoritomo wrote Hidehira a letter with several demands, among them that the northern Fujiwara should send 30,000 ryō, standardized gold coins, to support the repair of Tōdaiji Monastery. Hidehira balked at this outrageously high figure, arguing that 1,000 ryō was more traditionally appropriate amount to ask. No doubt this was all part of Yoritomo's efforts to establish a just cause for invading the north, but in late 1187, about nine months after Yoshitsune arrived in Hiraizumi, Hidehira died. He included orders for his heirs to protect Yoshitsune in his will, which at first they appeared willing to do. He was succeeded by his son Fujiwara Yasuhira, and a period of stalemate ensued in which the court attempted to broker a peaceful solution, no doubt in an attempt to prove that the Kuge loyal to Goshirakawa Inn were still a relevant political entity. Yoritomo also corresponded with Yasuhira, ordering him to hand over his brother or face invasion from Kamakura. Yasuhira appears to have been less stalwart than his late father, and while he made defensive preparations throughout northern Fujiwara territory, he was also desperate to avoid war. Yoritomo, meanwhile, was attempting to pressure retired Emperor Goshirakawa into making an official court-sanctioned edict, declaring the northern Fujiwara in rebellion and authorizing Yoritomo to marshal an army and invade Tohoku. Goshirakawa in, for his part, ensured that the matter would remain in discussion indefinitely. While Minamoto Yoritomo wanted to obtain imperial sanction for this incursion, he had no intention of waiting for it to arrive. The mobilization was well underway throughout 1188, and one of his objectives in this effort was to determine the loyalty of his vassals. He was trying to establish a new status quo in which he was the chief of all warriors throughout the land, and therefore those warriors answered directly to him, regardless of imperial prerogative. Fujiwara Yasuhira, meanwhile, rightly understood that the forces now being gathered by Yoritomo were superior to any that he might call upon, both in numbers and in fighting experience. Regardless of any oath he gave to his father, he could no longer afford to protect Minamoto Yoshitsune. The youngest Minamoto brother was staying with his entourage, including his compatriot Benkei, in a small fortification along the Koromo River. This group was mostly servants along with a few of Yoshitsune's retainers. Fujiwara Yasuhira gathered around 500 warriors and marched on the fort in the summer of 1189. Benkei immediately leapt to his master's defense, standing before the doorway of the fort which lay across the bridge from Yasuhira's forces to repel them just long enough for Yoshitsune to commit seppuku. The story, and it is a very famous story in Japan, is that Benkei defended his side of the bridge with such ferocity that Yasuhira's warriors became afraid to stand against him. Highly embellished accounts claim that he slew as many as 300 northern Fujiwara samurai. 
Intending to make a swift end of things, Yasuhira ordered his remaining warriors to knock their bows and loose arrows at the troublesome Sohei. After several volleys, Benkei still stood at the far end of the bridge from them, weapons in hand and appearing ready to defend his master. After a long standoff, Yasuhira's samurai finally approached him and discovered that even though he still stood, he had indeed been killed. Referred to as the Standing Death of Benkei, this incident has been told and retold in the centuries since its occurrence. The official account states that Yasuhira took Yoshitsune's head and prepared it for transport to Kamakura. Whether Yoshitsune had successfully committed ritual suicide before their entry or was killed by northern Fujiwara troops is not clear. Ambiguity over the event itself has led to some colorful stories over the years about the youngest Minamoto brother's survival and subsequent relocation. The Ainu people of Hokkaido, the large island north of Honshu, attest that Yoshitsune escaped from the fort at Koromo River and successfully crossed the channel to them. He took an Ainu name and lived out his days in peace on the autonomous island just out of Yoritomo's grip. Later fabulists would claim that he not only successfully fled to Hokkaido, but also later sailed to Manchuria, where he lived and fought among the people of Central Asia until finally uniting nomadic tribes under his banner and conquering much of the continent under the name of Genghis Khan. Is there any reason to believe that the famous Mongol conqueror was actually Minamoto Yoshitsune? No. I cannot stress this enough. No. No, there is not. Did he make it to Hokkaido and thwart the will of Yasuhira and Yoritomo? Probably not. Getting back to the official account, Yoshitsune's head was sent to Yoritomo preserved in sake. However, there was more at stake for Kamakura than simply forcing the northern Fujiwara to obey. The gears of war had too much momentum to stop them now, and one way or another Yoritomo was going to get his invasion. The imperial court was still stalling over granting permission, but the chief of warriors wanted to likewise demonstrate to the emperors, retired or otherwise, that he led his samurai directly, with or without their consent. Publicly, his justification for the incursion was that the northern Fujiwara had committed treason by sheltering his youngest brother for so long, regardless of their recent change of heart. In the summer of 1189, Yoritomo invaded Dewa and Mutsu provinces with massive armies, personally leading troops in combat for the first time since the Battle of Fujigawa nine years before. Though the northern Fujiwara and their vassals defended the north valiantly, they were outnumbered and outclassed by Kamakura's army, which consisted largely of samurai from Kanto, many of whom cut their teeth in the Genpei War. The battles that ensued were brutal affairs. There would be no tricks, no quick and quirky ways for the northern Fujiwara to wriggle themselves out of this jam. By autumn, Yasuhira had been killed, and the northern Fujiwara completely destroyed as a samurai clan. Sentences of exile were liberally handed down, though many were allowed to take religious orders if they were so inclined. Things really could not have gone better for Minamoto Yoritomo, who now gained a reputation as a great military commander, possibly even on par with the legendary Yoshitsune. The court quickly moved to assent to the invasion after it was underway, and in the future, they would be quicker to just assent to nearly all of Yoritomo's requests. The northern Fujiwara's loss meant more lands were now available, which could be given to vassals and retainers for their services in the war. With Kanto's northern flank now secure, 
Minamoto Yoritomo could turn his attention to other parts of the country which had not yet accepted his new status quo. Next time, we'll continue to follow Yoritomo's activities as he attempts to rein in the independent elements of Kyushu, Shikoku, Chugoku, Kansai, and Chubu, as well as the organization of vassals and retainers in his regime. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. (laughs) 